You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast for interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 123. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Otto Penciler, who is the Edgar Award-winning editor of 16 vintage crime black lizard anthologies, including the Black Lizard Big Book of Locked Room Mysteries, the Big Book of Sherlock Holmes Stories, the Big Book of Jack the Ripper, and that's just to name a few. He is uh, back with a new anthology that has gathered the intel on the world's greatest secret agents declassified in these pages for the very first time. The Big Book of Espionage is out now, and it has it all. State secrets, double agents, leaks. Uh, Otto Prenzler uh, brings you all this and more uh, with his latest title in the uh, Big Book series. Uh, these are great stories uh, from Lee Child and Charles uh, McCary, just to name a couple. He's really uh, pulled these stories uh, from the shadows and, and into the light for like the first time. Uh, so it's uh, really fantastic. Really had a great time chatting with uh, Otto Pensler about his anthologies, about running his iconic bookstore, The Mysterious Bookshop, in New York City during this pandemic. And we talked about spy fiction, of course, and a lot more. So stay tuned for that interview coming up. But first, a heads up. It's uh, the Black Friday time of the year when just about every retailer out there is having some pretty sweet deals. It's a great time to find deals on software app. And what I want to tell you about is uh, Pro Writing Aid. It's a fantastic tool for writers, and I've been using it for a couple of years now to improve my writing. Uh, it's a grammar checker, a style editor, a writing mentor in one package. And it works great with uh, Scrivener, which is what I used to write my books, but it also works great with uh, Word. It works with my Chrome browser. Uh, it's just a really nifty tool. I use it to clean up my manuscript as much as I can uh, before I send it out to my editor. So although for me, it won't replace my human editor, it helps me improve uh, my manuscript a ton before I send it off to the editor and a proofreader. And so they're offering a 50% off uh, Black Friday sale that's going on right now, and it runs until Monday, November 30th at 1159 Pacific Standard Time in the United States. Uh, so go to uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash PWA to check it out. That's www.thrillingreads.com forward slash PWA. That is my affiliate link, so it's a great way to support the podcast. All right, here's my interview with Otto Pensler. Uh, hi, Otto. Well, welcome uh, to the podcast. Uh, so excited to talk to you today. Thanks so much for having me, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. Very excited about the work that you've done, the anthologies that you've put together over the years, and we'll uh, talk about those. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into uh, into doing all this, uh, these great uh, putting these great uh, anthologies together? Well, I've been involved in the world of mystery for um, more than half a century, um, and you know, both as a as a reader first, then as a collector, and then as a publisher for the mysterious started the mysterious press forty five years ago. And then uh, with the Mysterious Bookshop, which started 41 years ago. Uh, getting close to 42, I see. My goodness. Uh, so, you know, inevitably, when you, if you're a fan and you get to know a lot about a subject, the idea of, of editing an anthology is, is attractive. And so I've done that for many years. And then, uh, fortunately, Random House, uh, their vintage imprint, uh, gave me the opportunity to do a big book. The dream of most anthologists is that they would have more room to include more stories that they love. And they gave me the chance to do that. These, you know, this, these big books, they're called big books for a real good reason. They're 
800 to 1,000 double-column oversized pages. You know, they're the equivalent of six, seven real books. And so they, I was pretty much unlimited in how many stories uh, I could use in, a, in a, one of these books. 60, 70, even 80 stories in, in a couple of the books. So I, I get to live my, my dream by doing really deep digging into, uh, into a particular subject and do the biggest book I can on that subject. So that's great. So they like they basically give you like hand you the keys to their archives, or <laughs> uh, I use my own archives. Oh, your own archives. Okay. Oh yeah, I I collected mystery fiction first editions for more than fifty years. Oh wow! And my library got to sixty thousand volumes, sixty thousand, uh, which is more than you think it is. <laughs> it's a lot of books. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've been a big fan of your work. I um, uh, I had the uh, the about the black mask stories that uh, came, that you put together a few years ago, and I think that was like a thousand pages. It's it's, it's a big yeah. book. <laughs> it's a big book. All of the books in this series uh, have are called big books for a reason. They're really big. Uh, espionage is not quite as big. It's only about eight hundred double column pages. <laughs> Eight by ten, so it's only the equivalent of about six books, not eight books. And so that is the your, your latest book is called the Big Book of Espionage, uh, and uh, that comes out on uh, in uh, that comes out is that when is that coming out in November, right? Oh, it comes out this tomorrow, is November, and I think it came out. I think the official pub date publication date was a couple of days ago. I I forget what the official publication date was because once I have the book in my hand, I think, oh, it's it's published, but I get some advanced copies as uh, as the editor. So uh, I'm not sure what the official date is, but I think I think it was last week. So definitely, by the time uh, uh, listeners are listening to this uh, interview, uh, it, it'll be out. So go, oh, yeah. go pick it up. Uh, uh, highly recommend it. I, I love spy stories. Is that something? Have you always been interested in in uh, espionage stories? Sure. Um, you know, when I, re- I read a lot of crime fiction, uh, mystery fiction, detective, uh, espionage, uh, suspense, it's all part of the, of the world of mystery the way I define it. So I've been reading spy stories uh, for a very long time because I also liked adventure stories when I was, when I was a lot younger. And a lot of those stories overlap some of the same writers. Uh, like John Buchan, for example, who wrote The 39 Steps. It's kind of an adventure story, but it's really also kind of an espionage story. Uh, and there are quite a few stories like that, which I really enjoyed. And still do. And so can you tell us a little bit about uh, the big book of espionage? Uh, when did you get the idea, and how long did it take you to, to put this all together? Well, um, once a year, I deliver my book. In October of the year when I finished a book, I deliver it to my editor, and we have lunch. It's a very civilized world. Uh, and at the lunch, he'll say, so do you have an idea for the next book? And I would give him my idea for the next book. And he'd say, that sounds great. And uh, then I would get a contract, but I would start reading immediately. The books take a year because I read three, four, in some cases, 500 stories to come up with the absolute best stories to, to go into the book. And, you know, I've had lots of ideas for the stories. I did a big book of Sherlock Holmes stories, a uh, big book of Pulps, a big book of Jack the Ripper, 
a big book of locked room mysteries, big book of Christmas mysteries. So, you know, once a year I come up with an idea. And the idea this year was that I would do espionage, spy stories. Uh, and that's the book that has just come out. And I see the, uh, an amazing uh, lineup. And, and some I can, you know, oh, Ian Fleming, of course, and Eric Ambler. But uh, I see also have stories from, like, Lee Child. So that, that didn't strike me as uh, him writing uh, espionage stories. <laughs> he didn't write a lot of espionage stories, but he wrote one. <laughs> <laughs> And that made it into the book, because I, I just really am a big fan of Lee Child, uh, both as a person and as a, as a writer. So I was happy to use his uh, very unusual, un, quite an unusual story. I don't know if you've read it yet, no. but it's uh, very different from the other stories uh, in this book. Uh, but he's such a creative guy, you'd expect that. And so how many stories are, are in this book? I think it's about 70. Wow. Um, I, I, I don't remember... I may I may have known the number at one point, but I've, you know it's a year ago that I turned this book in. So since then I've done another book, so I don't really remember exactly, but it's it's probably around sixty-five or seventy. Um, you know, and as you said, you'd expect Ian Fleming and Eric Ambler uh, and some of you know the the big names in that field, John Buck and and, and so on, Joe, Joseph Finder, uh, but there are also some very obscure stories. Uh, that uh, are not available anywhere else, you know. And, and you know, somebody else uh, interviewed me about about the book and said, "Well, uh, but you can find it. You can find these stories if you look around in enough places." And the truth is, there are about probably a third of the stories here. No, you can't. The books are really <laughs> rare because of my collection. You know, of of, of first editions. Uh, some of those books are so rare that you wouldn't find those stories anywhere not in your library not on amazon if you'll excuse the language um or or anywhere in any other in most any other bookshop they're just really obscure yeah that's something that i found with uh, the the black mask stories that you put together those weren't like the you know like the ones you expected like you said they're very obscure so that's so that's just because you have such an incredible collection and is it having like an eye for it too do you know like right away like oh this will be a great for an anthology or yeah i mean the black mask you know obviously you'd expect hammett and chandler mm-hmm. uh as the great names of, of that and even raul whitfield and frederick nebel people like that that are sort of the second tier of their major writers but then you know, it was a magazine that lasted for 50 years, half a century, and uh, some of those stories uh, were never reprinted. They were never collected in book form, and so uh, I, you had to use a, a collection like mine to, to find all of that. <clears throat> yeah, and, and and just the time-saving, too, versus <laughs> for somebody to, even if they could find that, I mean, that would be, you know... Uh, probably, probably impossible to do <laughs> to do that. <laughs> it is. It's it's impossible to find them. But also, I've done some of the heavy lifting by finding the best of the stories. Mm-hmm. So you know, you could read a whole magazine uh, or a whole anthology or a whole collection of an author's works to find uh, all these stories by by various writers. But I really read all those hundreds of stories to make sure that I found the, the absolute best to put into the anthology. You know, another book of yours that I that I have, The Best American Crime Reporting, that you put together, uh, I think that came out like 10 years ago. 
And I just oh, thought... Yeah, that was the non... You, are you talking about the nonfiction book? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah I'm sorry. That was a nonfiction one. I just... Uh, I've been a big fan of that book as well, so I just want to <laughs> say thank yeah, you. I, I, I did... Uh, Thomas H. Cook and I did nine of those together yeah. uh, for, for, uh, for Random House and for Harper. And... Uh, Unfortunately, we love those books. They they were really we were really proud of them, and they were I thought they were just great books. But you know they really didn't sell all that well, and so they stopped being published. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, because I I remember seeing them in the library, and I was like, oh my, wow, because I, I I had I knew you you and your anthologies, but but just to get in ideas and stuff or stories, uh, it was, I thought it was just a great resource book for for writers. Yeah, so. they were. Some really great stories in there. There are great journalists working in America uh, who dug into crimes, either contemporary or historical. Uh, and we did a lot of reading in, uh, in, in some major magazines and newspapers, which you'd expect, but also some very obscure little magazines uh, to, to find those stories. <clears throat> yeah, the espionage is, is a little bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since in the contemporary writers, they're all writers I read, so I, I know all of them. I mean, I think the greatest espionage writer that America ever produced is Charles McCary. And uh, there are two Charles McCary stories in this. He only wrote two short stories, but they were both absolute masterpieces. And I think they're both actually the two best stories in the entire book, even in a world with Somerset Maugham and uh, and Ian Fleming and Lee Child and Joseph Finder and and, and others. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't. I've have checked those out. I haven't. Uh, I, I haven't read his uh, those the stories from his. So I'm looking forward to uh, uh, to reading those. And uh, yeah, he wrote the te- no, he mm-hmm. wrote the Tears of Autumn, uh, which was uh, a big New York Times bestseller, and it was his view of um, the, the Kennedy assassination. Mm. And Carrie was an, a CIA agent uh, an undercover uh, for many years and knew a lot. And when I, when I read The Tears of Autumn, which is arguably the greatest espionage novel ever written by an American, uh, I, I asked him, I said, is, is any of this true? And he said, yes. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I got chills when he said that. Because <laughs> you'll believe it. You know, the, I mean, everybody has their theories about uh, who was involved, how many people were involved, who was responsible. You know, was this just one crazy lead, Harvey Oswald? Or were there, did he have support? Were there other people uh, who put him up to it and so on? There are so many theories about it. Uh, and if you, when you, when somebody reads The Tears of Autumn, you walk away from that saying, oh, I bet this is exactly what happened because it's so well done and so realistic. And the lineup here, like we already touched base here, uh, Ian Fleming, Eric Ambler, what are some of the other names? I see Jeffrey Deavers in there also. Um, yeah, well, there, there are people that you might not even expect to see in there, like Sarah Paretsky. Um, you know, we're not used to seeing too many women write mystery fiction, mm-hmm. um, but she wrote a brilliant story that's in here. Uh, James Grady, who wrote Six Days of the Condor. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there's a Condor story in here, you know, the same character. Uh, Jeffrey Deaver, who's a, you know, a frequent New York Times bestseller, is in here. Um, Earl Stanley Gardner, who we usually associate with Perry Mason, 
you know, the Perry Mason series is the best-selling series of mysteries ever written by an American. I think he's second to Agatha Christie worldwide for the number of, uh, of, of bestsellers that he's had, <clears throat> the number of books that he's sold. But, uh, but he wrote an, an espionage thriller. Um, oh, Henry. Who would expect O. Henry to have written, uh, a, uh, you know, an, an espionage novel, a spy novel? But he did. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle. His, he has a Sherlock Holmes story that is a pure espionage novel, uh, a story, rather. Oh, wow, that's so, there, you know, so it's a it's a it's a great lineup. Some of these stories, there's so many good stories here. Stephen Hunter, um, his, he's a wonderful writer, this, this, uh, with a great character named Bob Lee Swagger, um, <laughs> known as the Nailer because he's a sniper who uh, always nails the enemy. And uh, and he wrote a terrific World War II story in here called Citadel. So it's a, I'm you know, I'm very I, I admit I I'm very proud of this book. <laughs> and were you always a fan? Like before even you before you even got into the uh, growing up before you got into the book business, were you always a fan of of mysteries and and thrillers and spy stories? You know, strangely enough, I wasn't when I was a kid. I I was reading. A lot of nonfiction as a kid, which is unusual for ten-year-olds to be reading about animals and to be reading about space and things of that sort. Uh, I read a lot of science fiction. I really didn't read uh, mysteries until I graduated and came back to New York, uh, and I was an English major. And so, you know, when you're an English major, you read Joyce and T.S. Eliot. And the Russian novelists, and uh, and all those things that really require deep concentration. And when I get back, I was always a reader. When I got back to New York, I wanted to keep reading, but I also didn't want to hurt my head for a while. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I've never read mysteries. Let me let me read mysteries. And I started and fell in love with them. You know, at first uh, I started as as so many people did with Sherlock Holmes, and then went on to the big names like Agatha Christie and Ellery Queen and John Dixon Carr. And then I read Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, and I realized this is real literature. It's really literature. It's not just about puzzles. It's about beautiful writing and about great characters and, and uh, uh, dialogue, people saying things in a way that you'd never heard them say it before. And I became really devoted to, uh, to mysteries, you know, in my early 20s. Um, and then continued. Uh, I kept reading, and I kept. I started collecting, and uh, one thing led to another. I started a publishing company, and I opened a bookshop. But it really came from love, just the love of reading. That is what uh, impelled me to make my career uh, mystery fiction. And uh, you, the mysterious bookshop. Uh, that's a. Uh, uh, well, hopefully now with the pandemic, how, how is is your bookstore doing? Okay, are you open again? How's that? Uh, did that affect it? Well, uh, it's uh, it hasn't been helped by yes. the pandemic. I can tell you that. Uh, in New York City, we were forced to shut down. Uh, I wasn't even allowed to go into the store oh, wow. for three months, from March uh, to June. Uh, then we were allowed back in the store, but we didn't. But customers weren't allowed uh, for another two or three weeks. Uh, now they're allowed, but a lot of New Yorkers are still nervous mm -hmm. about 
getting onto public transportation. You know, we don't have a lot of driving in New York. <clears throat> As you know, there's there's a thing called curbside pickup uh, throughout the country, but we don't leave stuff out on the curb here in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be, be gone in a few seconds. Yeah. Same thing here in San Francisco. <laughs> Not necessarily by the customer. Um, but we do now, uh, we do have people back in the store happily. Uh, it's a small number, not like it was, but our mail order, um, our, you know, we have, we have a, obviously we have a website uh, and uh, we have a mailing list of uh, uh, many, many thousands of customers who know the bookshop. And so things have gotten a little bit better, uh, but we do miss our walk-in traffic. And, you know, we, we, we were famous for having autographed books. Like, that was the one way we could compete with places like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Uh, but there's, authors aren't touring these mm-hmm. days, so it's harder for us to get signed books. Uh, but we, we manage. We have, mm-hmm. we have uh, a lot of the authors are friends of the store. They've been very generous to us. They allow, allow us to ship them books to be signed. And so we're 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 coming back. We're 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 not okay, but we're okay compared to say the restaurants in New York, which are really struggling. We're a thousand have closed permanently. We're going through here this in San Francisco too. A lot of our favorite restaurants are gone forever. So yeah, it's kind of kind of yeah. kind of sad. But uh, but I'm glad that your your bookstore is still open, and uh, hopefully when uh, when this <laughs> when we start going a little bit, uh, I hate to say back to normal because I don't think it'll ever be back to normal, but. <laughs> More to normal than we're used to. Um, definitely, if I go to New York City, I wanna, I'm going to stop by your bookstore. It looks so fantastic. Yeah, please do. Come by and say yeah. hello, introduce yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think you'll like the store. It's a real old-fashioned store. It's pretty big. It's about 2,000 square feet on the, on the floor, the, the selling floor. Uh, and we sell books. Hmm. We don't sell greeting cards or, you know, not much in the way of games or jigsaw puzzles or toys or things like that we sell books and it's a real bookstore yeah for the listeners they should they need to go check out your website the mysteriousbookshop.com because that right there is like you're gonna get lost for 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 a while uh perusing your website (laughs) yeah it's uh it's a it's a good website a lot of people say oh i guess you don't have uh, all these books by Agatha Christie. We don't have everything on the website. <laughs> we have about 10% of our books on the website. Uh, even though there's a lot on the website, there's a, so much more in the store. And, you know, it's hard to get. And we have, you know, we have so many rare books and out-of-print books as well. And it's hard to keep those up on the website because people buy them, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they're gone. It's not like books that are in print. Yeah, I was just seeing that. Uh, I was perusing the the site before, and I was seeing that. Yeah, you had like a limited edition uh, from Lee Child, and Michael Connolly, and that's yeah. kind of amazing. How does that? I mean, how, is that just from you like finding these treasures? I mean, that's that's kind of. How do you even come you know, we, across these? We publish them. We, oh, you we publish, publish them. them in the bookshop. We're we're the only place that you can buy these limited editions. We're we're we've done and we've been doing. The complete Jack Reacher. We've done the first fourteen or fifteen Jack Reacher. The next one actually comes in to the store from the printer and the binder tomorrow. Oh, wow! Uh, we do the limited editions, the beautiful marbled boards and leather spines. Uh, Lee has been very generous about writing a new introduction to every one of the books. Uh, they're numbered 
100 copies and signed, of course. Uh, but they're expensive. They're expensive to make, and they're, they're costly. But it's a beautiful, beautiful collection. And then we do, we've been doing that with Michael Connolly uh, and other writers, too. Uh, Dennis Lehane and Elmore Leonard and James Elroy, Ken Bruin. So we've, we publish limited editions, have been publishing limited editions in our store for about 15 years. Hmm. And they're available only here. We don't sell them to Barnes & Noble or Amazon uh, or other chains. So absolutely, if, there, if uh, anyone has uh, bibliophiles in their family for Christmas, <laughs> you, you gotta go, gotta go check out your website. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're right. I'm yeah. glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, this would make like a great, great gift. But but anyway, I, I got got sidetracked. I do uh, every year, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, what? So what are you working on next? You said you were working on another book, another anthologies, or. Well, I, I was working on it, but it, uh, I delivered it in October, actually a little bit earlier than October this year. It's the big book of Victorian detective stories. Um, you know, books set in the, obviously during the Victorian era. And uh, I delivered it a little bit early because I was locked out of my store for three months. <laughs> so I got to read, a, I had a little more time to read than I usually do. And so I delivered it a few months early. And uh, it'll be coming out October of next year. So I don't know if I if I have any more books. I didn't come up with an idea this year, uh, so I I may be done with those. But I am editing best mystery stories of the year, which will come out from the Mysterious Press in 2021, October of 2021. All right, and so and then the big book of espionage uh, is out now. It's as latest. Go check it out. Some amazing stories. I'm definitely going to have some fun with that one uh, over the uh, Thanksgiving long weekend here we got coming. <laughs> uh, readers will love it because it, it it goes on for a long time. <laughs> you can get lost in it. Uh, okay, Adam. Well, thank you so much uh, for uh, coming on the uh, on the show and talking to us about books. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you. It's been a pleasure, Alan. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.